0: You train for me, because I'm training for you. We got a love, love, a revolution to do. You better train for me, I'll be training for you. Episode 17, Celebrating One Year of Peaceful Survival, originally published March 11th, 2022. This week, celebrating my one-year anniversary of my um, solo path of austerity in the um, in the desert biome. I'm fully content for this location to be what consumes the the rest of my of my life energy in this one in this life. I'm also Open to the possibility that this may be a node in a network and that uh, and that I will have the the blessing to um, replicate and build upon my lessons from this location and all of the other experiences I've had throughout my life to just continue to reiterate and to Evolve the strategies for a really um, ever more elegant and efficient cycle of um of learning learning the land and adapting to it and harmonizing with it. And with permaculture it's really about a sort of first aid response to damaged or marginal environments and as much as it is about working smart not hard and 99 hours of design to one hour of work as opposed to one hour of design and 99 hours of work all of the taoist elements of taking your time with things there's also embedded within the the spirit and the training of permaculture design is the sense of urgency that um, we need to accelerate these natural processes that's what composting is there's few if any natural totally natural i.e non-human uh intervene process that that is as efficient and as rapid as as thermophilic composting for example so scaling uh, scaling um understanding the 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 natural processes and then and then sustainably scaling them in ways that um that create synergies and as opposed to deplete and as opposed to depleting an an ecosystem you're actually um you're supporting it making it more diverse making it more rich and accelerating that process whereas it may take i mean building soil for example talking hundreds if not thousands of years for these natural processes to take place but if if you Engage and interact and behave appropriately uh, with um, with human ecology. Then the byproduct of that is that soil is built, and it's built a lot faster. So part of me says, you know, I need ten years. I need twenty years to have the stuff I'm doing today on this one project site to literally come to fruition and for it to for me to even then begin to understand the most cursory inter-relationships inter of cycles of different interactions of species and whatnot. I mean there's so much to learn it's so ongoing and yet so there are many perfect worlds one perfect world is I never leave here again and I devote myself like in the man who planted trees that that is just um i mean he was committed to a whole bioregion watershed with his efforts in that story of man man uh the man who planted trees it's a great animated piece and it's very it's always it's always apropos it's so important um and i think that's really the direction i want to go with my life is is a lot of a lot of solitude a lot of no drama, <laughs> no human drama, a lot of solitude, and a lot of being close to nature and wellness and um, deriving the spiritual sustenance from that service to, to ecology and uh, to future generations who are going to be benefited by it. Uh, so, in one perfect world, I stay here till the end of my life and uh and, and just ever uh ever deepen the romance with um with this location and uh to be honest I feel I could be beyond fulfilled by that and it would be in some ways um the best I could hope for so I will just leave it up to the mystery of the universe whether or not i'm destined to um have the the means or the calling to apply myself anywhere else for anyone else as a as a as a permaculture mercenary or if i were to actually be able to relocate and do this in other places i i very much do like the idea that without being a cult or without being a sort of spiritual organization that more within the spirit of the decentralized punk rock movement having that fierce egalitarianism that that comes from living the pit (laughs) living the mosh pit you know you just want to share with everybody you just want everybody to have a good time no egos no drama you know everybody's welcome everybody's accepted you got to really fuck up to get to get uh, banished and uh (laughs) and there's a lot of forgiveness for for people being wasted too i'm not interested in that anymore so that's not part of my program i have a very austere homebrew wine honey wine um twice a week regimen just two glasses of my own honey wine twice a week and that's it and i i do really like this one uh christian fellow who said christian i think he was a ex-military christian guy who said uh you know christians shouldn't get drunk it's cool to drink a little bit you know but and and i don't consider myself a christian and a lot of people would probably consider me the antichrist but i just love that and i would extrapolate that and just say you know a jedi doesn't get drunk you know a jedi doesn't get drunk and uh if if a Jedi had to play drunk to get along in a scenario where that was what was happening and you had to you had to play along with it, then you know you figure out a way to sneak to 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 water down the drinks or swap them out with water or um, do whatever you got to do. But yeah, I I never liked being I never liked being drunk. I never liked being hungover. I never liked being nauseous. I don't like the spins. It's happened enough times for me to never. Well, I learned my lesson a few times, but uh, it was always. Well, just PSA. That's one thing that I'm definitely leaving behind, and it's not going to. I'm not going to allow into my. the areas that I'm responsible for. I, I do not. I do not feel comfortable with um alcohol intoxication beyond a very very limited level and that's different for everybody but um yeah with that with that said this isn't well i will be celebrating in my own way this one year anniversary but um just decompressing and sharing my thoughts in general on this is uh yeah what it means to evolve evolve out of the city evolve out of um various scenes and and just be in a state where it's it's even it's just psychologically and and hormonally possible to to do a very deep sort of permaculture version of less stroud or man versus uh wild you know where it's me Doing what I love, practicing the crafts that I have professionally uh, developed over many years, and then and then applying them on my own behalf, with with the sort of um, the suspense and the thrill that um, the stakes are high in terms of um, not having. Support staff not having a, a, a nearby um, medical center and uh, and being literally off road to where yeah the stakes are high and extremely austere extreme wilderness desert conditions and lots of things that can kill you and not a lot of things that can that can rescue you. <laughs> And uh, to have survived a year in this location, it's next level for me because I had, I had done a year of very, very much solo or very, very uh, austere in terms of avoiding social contact during the first year of the pandemic and extending that, of course, even more so in this last year but the first year I was at a location that was environment. the there were some people around um it was certainly closer to the road <laughs> it was uh the climate was far more forgiving there was grid power if I needed it um there and there was water piped in so not to mention just the San Diego county and being closer to the ocean with the the fog just being ever present it was a completely different biome and um the threats there were mainly there was there was uh, some extreme winds but mainly it was the threat of fire and i feel less of that i feel far less of that threat where i'm at now it's not zero but it's far less but it, but it is very austere, far more austere and so whatever merit badges I earned from that much less dangerous much lower stakes original year one all by myself and, uh, and in much more extreme and, and remote conditions it's an accomplishment and uh, I want to kind of lament, bellyache, uh, celebrate, whatever, just be take this opportunity to appreciate and acknowledge the. Um, The hard won lessons of 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 this last year, and m- mainly meaning, I have a what I would consider a very robust tantric practice of um, union with astral dakinis, so that I'm very much um, nurtured and i feel like i have um that that energy of the really the experience of a dream lover that is um <laughs> low maintenance you know do the pujas sing the sing the mantras um be a good boy you know uh be a good man continue to receive and earn and sustain the love of astral dakinis such that um, it would take a lot I'm not jerked around by hormones and impulses and, and uh, I don't feel like I'm missing out on chasing girls anymore and uh, that gives me the freedom for this solo project and uh I don't know, I don't know what I would do without, I don't think, I mean, you can attribute, you can wonder, who would I be, where would I be, what would I be? Yeah, I will say it. I will say that I would be dead and gone without the love of the goddess. So that makes me very um devoted very devotional and um I'm very protective of the grace that I uh, attempt to maintain for my own my own standards and I'm not the first voluntarily celibate yet very sexually alive tantric practitioner to realize that um, (laughs) the uh, entanglements with society can be a hindrance to your your spiritual development and with so much love and so much eros um, so so thinly veiled, so much infinite love and and arrows <laughs> so thinly veiled it doesn't take that much doesn't cost a lot doesn't take much um that's and that is uh well <laughs> there was uh ron hood who said the survival rule of threes um and he had an interesting additional uh rule that he added that was very charming and sweet but it goes normally it would go three minutes without air three or um some people will say um yeah three minutes without air without air three days without water, three weeks without food, and he would say three months without love. And uh, (laughs) you better have some some serious love to go as long as I have. Um, There's just definitely something to be said for you treat, you will only tolerate as much abuse from others as you will as you will, as you abuse yourself, if you really take care of yourself, you really will have zero tolerance for mistreatment from others. And the the maintenance. When I say yeah, the love, the 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 goddesses that I that, that love on me, they're low maintenance, but I am high maintenance because I have to, for myself, maintain what I feel to be a very positive vibration, positive mental attitude. And that comes very easily through dance and loving nature and being a part of nature. I mean, I couldn't imagine having to um, bootstrap positive mental attitude If I were stuck in a nine to five, or if I had been, during the lockdowns, been stuck in a, in a box with no life, I would be, It would, it would not be low maintenance, it would be high maintenance on me and high maintenance to, to be connected spiritually. So I make a lot of um effort to uh promote wild wildness wilderness rewilding as this as a spiritual practice that is uh complementary to any, to all other books and all other traditions and and lifestyles and whatnot and yeah to some people it is uh it's it's impressive that I have um, <laughs> that. If you imagine, how, how did you how did you, How did you get by with food? How did you get by with water? How did you get by with shade? How did you get by with the cold, the heat? You know, and and those are all adaptive strategies that I that were hard won and then some people will be like how did you not how did you get by without interacting without touch and um that's that's where the 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 goddesses really work their magic because I feel like I get touched in ways that it would be hard to train real people to um to be so loving. So I, I speak in a, in a place of uh, feeling very, very blessed and also um, very thankful and grateful to those initiatrixes who opened these, uh, who made these connections for me, you know, who, who hooked me up with the Divine Feminine and with these, these, uh, these Dakini's, um, and I do my best to be in good standing with the incarnate embodied human women goddesses who uh who have been my friends and lovers who have um shared a lot with me sometimes struggled (laughs) dealing with me and uh working with me and playing with me but all thanks to them i have been able to do something i i never thought i never thought i'd be able to um To pull this off, and um, yeah, as I speak about it now, it's all—it's all different domains, different spheres of survival and sur- sp- sp- spheres of, of resilience, perseverance. Because yeah, you can do the math and calculate how many gallons of water you need to survive. You can do the math on the calories and you can never have enough medical supplies and medical training, but your wits and your spirits, you know, <laughs> boredom and and uh, nihilism, despair, yeah, you got to be a spiritual warrior and you got to have some spiritual love in place. And, um... Having developed... Having developed that path while it was possible... I mean, I look back now about the... The tantra retreats and the the the, the, uh, the ashrams that I've visited and the good times, you know, the the heyday of everybody not feeling um, phobic r- rightfully about about transmission and whatnot. And I just feel so blessed that I was able to have so many important experiences with people. <laughs> in one sense so that i really feel enriched you know if i if if this is if this is the what's meant to be for me my destiny is like yeah i'm post-social i'm post-civilized and i could preach that in my early 20s when i was mr primitivist very outspoken but i don't think i could there's no way being the walking hard-on that I was, needing to fit in and needing to get laid and all that—all that, that energy—I um, couldn't have just—I couldn't have done this. This is something that really fits well with someone who has gotten a lot of that sort of behavior out of their system and for the arc of um, the male manop- manopause. I've, I'm in a state of menopause and I can be very I can return to my 18 year old self through an all natural herbal um, herbal plant based um, uh, shall we say um, aphrodisiacs is a better word so yeah it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing to have my mind back after decades of being cursed by (laughs) libido from hell and um, yeah, it's just a fact of life, you know, you have to go through that and um, timing has just been such that it was very lucky for me that the pandemic hit after I had collected a lot of valuable experiences and and I, I can't imagine for myself and I guess I should say this in this way my heart goes out to the, the, the lovers who have faced these times um, together and and have struggled to be at their best for each other and, uh, and to hold that sacred container in a state of grace and to survive with, that, with their relationships through these times of so much divisiveness I can't really imagine, and it's another thing I'm grateful for looking back on this year year uh, on top of many years, but this year of extreme austerity Extreme extreme isolation. There there are very, very few people on this planet that I know that I that I would even invite to where I'm at. And, and when I think about the dynamics of a relationship, it's it it seems uh, less and less likely that that's in my that's in my future because i want to respect the sovereignty and autonomy of of an individual and i want them to be as free as possible but i've said this before for the operational security of my being where i'm at doing what i'm doing which is not in and of itself highly sensitive other than that i'm just being keeping a very low profile and um avoiding trouble <laughs> and uh as as we all know <laughs> we like it or not relationships they can lead to trouble they can you know you there can be, there can be a scene, you know, it can lead to a scene. People can surprise you and uh surprise you with unpredictable behavior that's erratic and 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 just even even predictably erratic behavior, but there is no way given this what's sensitive about what I'm doing where I'm at now is that It's on a level I've never experienced before in my life, where the, the the mission is silence and darkness. The mission darkness, don't be making a scene, don't be commingling with the locals. Just keep my existence as mysterious as possible. And, um, yeah, with that said, I rely heavily on the astral dakinis to, to keep me satisfied. And they're just voracious in their appetite, so, <laughs> you know, always they're waiting for me. But, um, yeah, I have to say. For those who are not at a point where they can um, they can even imagine being with themselves, being alone. I mean, I like something uh, Christina Pratt. She said on her podcast, like uh, just sort of one of many pandemic sort of self help shows that she did, and she's like, <laughs> "You need to like yourself." And I don't mean like self love. That's a different thing. I mean, you need to be able to. You need to like yourself. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's. You could say it's semantics, but I think she really hit on something deep. Which is like, yeah, self love. You know, I take a bath. You know, I I, I put you know, uh, put effort into self care and whatnot. But but do you really like yourself? Would you hang out with yourself? if you had to, and a lot of people were forced to, and, um, a lot of people kill themselves, a lot of people, um, their health, you know, uh, spiraled downwards, and of course there's a lot of, um, there, to some extent, you could put blame on the conditions of, 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 of restrictions for the pandemic, but I don't know how many people weren't, given avenues to get outdoors Um, yeah i don't want to i don't even want to touch that i don't want to touch the who to blame and how much to blame the ratio of blame for people who who have really let themselves go but i know there are people who use the opportunity certainly people who got a bunch of free money which i didn't get more free money i didn't get unemployment you know i got the stimulus checks which uh, i i I did not gamble with them i put them into my preps Um, but yeah there's people who really use this opportunity of the pandemic to to get in great shape, uh, to learn new things. And certainly, yeah, if they were being bankrolled to do it, you know, some people really took advantage of an opportunity to grow. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people kind of went the opposite direction. I'm not going to, I'm not going to presume to know, uh, generally speaking, you know, what, what, uh, who and what to blame my heart does go out to all the people who have died and suffered and i will say that um as a as a prepper a survivalist to me this was like the um the nightmare scenario that also is everything you train for, so you were um, in a sense like it just pressure tests everything that you did this is this the pandemic was like um the call of duty for survivalists to 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 enact their personally defined protocols and procedures aka bugging out so for for me the textbook survivalist bugging out adventure with high stakes that's that's part of what i celebrate having having done this now yeah since the beginning of the pandemic was when i really was the beginning of my bugging out back rural land back in back to nature living on the edge of wilderness now in year one i was living on the edge of world wilderness year two i am in the middle of wilderness and um, and i am <laughs> everything that i drilled and trained and studied for has been life or death like every i i can't i mean everything i could say i spent over a decade of, of being a very nerdy prepper, <laughs> and uh, you never, you know, you never have enough, you always wish you had more, grass is always greener and whatnot, in terms of your vehicle, or your, what you can afford as far as your preps, but The fundamentals of the training and the drilling of all of those i mean i yeah i did i did hardcore shit hit the fan bug out survival drills back in two thousand nine and I, and there's there's videos and you know I made a video of that if if uh there's a there's a three three part episode on the podcast called Survival Love, where me and my partner at the time documented in photos and videos and with the podcast we documented um a complete uh drill evacuation procedure following our own design checklist and algorithm that we created and basically packing everything up uh and uh shutting everything down and um and doing a a a vehicular bug out evacuation into the wilderness and um some people just call that a camping trip, but it's sort of like camping trip plus because you're accounting for um, contingencies and things going wrong. And having done th- having done things like that when times were soft, now times are hard, and um, everything that was drilled, everything that was trained for it... It's a treasure, it's invaluable to, I can't, I can't explain the feeling when, when you live by the principle of redundancy, meaning two is one and one is none, you have something that fails and you have a backup, when it's life and death to have that backup and you fall back on it and you use it because you need it that is one of the best feelings I've ever had in life and I've had it many times on my prepper journey and I've had it many times where I'm at now where it's like this psychology, this lifestyle has kept me alive or kept me from being completely helpless to where I'm flushed into a system where there the common denominator is that you're totally helpless and powerless and you're totally dependent on whatever is fed to you whatever you are whatever services are rendered to you by the state which if you are a liberty person and certainly if you are anarchist minded at all or eco-anarchist even above and beyond You don't want to. You don't want that threshold of when you cry for help to be (laughs) to be a to be a very thin or very short threshold. You want it to be far away. The, the The scenarios that it would take for me to be a helpless beggar of the system again god is forbid (laughs) i think i've hopefully i've buffered myself in many foreseeable and some unforeseeable ways to make that threshold you know as far off as possible and that all does come down to those sciences you know the, the shelter water food security energy sanitation communications you can break it down on all these different lists, you know, but, uh, yeah. I'm not the ultimate survivor, wilderness, um, guru. I'm not cut out for any of those TV shows. I'm just living one day at a time. And I sometimes say to myself, you know, sometimes survivalists, sometimes being a survivalist, it's like, it's enough just to survive, and that to me, I've said to myself sometimes, um, just being like, "Yeah." I put a lot of. Um, there's a lot of workaholism for sure. I mean, if preppers and workahol workaholism is perfect for preppers because you will never. Run out of stuff to do, and you'll always have more projects and you'll always be improving and and uh yeah, you'll always be fussing with your preps and and um and trying to expand and scale up and in a healthy sense, it's a lot of fun it's a way to get very organized um, gamify decluttering and being organized and i like people say if you're if 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 uh you're not a prepper you're you're a hoarder if it's disorganized if it's organized you're you're a good prepper you know so (laughs) i guess that um yeah that works well with my virgo mind i like things to be organized i have a very clean desktop and uh you know in the course of this year I've been able to really organize and square away the, the ruins of what was on this property before I got it. And when I got here, it was starting to get too hot. to You know, it was dangerous and hot, and I was not about to do a bunch of demo work and a bunch of um, what, what you would do on a job site of a construction site to clear out a bunch of demolition. I mean, a demo had been done <laughs> by the by the uh, the decades of uh, of of ruinous uh, weather to just reduce this previous uh homestead property to ash or basically to dust but there's uh yeah blo- broken glass everywhere nails everywhere um just surprisingly far away from where you would think that they would be limited to but that's what the wind does carries giant yeah f- boards torn to pieces all over the place, splinters everywhere, you know, and this is, you know, this is a this is a, a handful or so of acres, so there's like a, a radius of where the wreckage of the previous homestead, I don't know when it was built, but there's old, old cans of things that had to have been from like the 50s or maybe even earlier, so I don't know, too much about the history but i do know that uh yeah it seems like the the wreckage the ruins of this previous house you know i I stripped out all the when when it was safe to do so there was because there was i'd say the first felt like the first six months i was i was afraid to touch any of it, I just worked around, I I couldn't even work it was so hot, I was just barely trying to survive, I'm not going to go too much into all those details because I documented them in the past but, you know I got here and I and it it was within within a very few number of short weeks it became impossible to to do anything during the day and then it even it got even hotter at night <laughs> there's science behind that but uh it just meant that i was camping in limited shade just drinking it sweating out everything i drank and sweating profusely day in and day out, all day and night, just trying to keep my flesh from rotting off in that that sort of constant sweating state that I had never been in in my life and that there was no escape from. And just having to lay still and not move for the majority of of uh, of of sunlight hours and then being very cautious about doing anything when even when the sun was down because it's like yeah if i trip and fall or lose consciousness or scorpion snake bite anything fucks me up and i end up incapacitated at all or even slightly debilitated I will be dead in when the sun comes up and that was the case for many many months until you know i've been on a i've been on a on a frenzy in yeah, frenzy since it has been cool enough to do anything to um yeah to clean up the wreckage now all that's squared away and what i'm not what i haven't re reused uh i've i've uh, inventoried and you know there's a few bags there's a few trash bags of just the stuff that that i can't make use of and that's just you know has no other no other uh, no other place to go but eventually to a landfill but i i i've kept all the broken glass i have kept uh all of the wood that's reusable um all the all the hardware, all the nails, even saved everything, sorted it out, and um, used a lot of it already on, on on various projects. So yeah, where I'm at, what I have to show for the extreme. Um, I mean, I guess kind of re 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 um, or uh, reviewing a bit what I've said. It's like. Can't under can't underestimate the the uh, the vital importance of the spiritual preparedness, the sexual spiritual preparedness that a tantric devotee path made made for that that preparedness um, has uh, has has kept me, you know, kept me from um, from being tempted to go and co-mingle with um with society you know that how do you which could be a death sentence and a lot for a lot of reasons that's just me that's my opinion that's my personal philosophy at this point i know people who you know they raced back to the bars when public health officials said that it's okay as long as you wear a mask is for every for you only take off your mask to drink you know and they go to the bar and they see that no one's following the fucking rules and boom you know covid fucks them up and i don't think anybody has really been really been prepared to face the statistical probability of long covid and 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 it's um it's really heartbreaking, so for me, I just i excused myself, I watched a lot of other people make uh, very undisciplined mistakes that have resulted in dire consequences for themselves. I don't want to be caught up in the karmic nightmare. I don't want to be caught up in the in the, the the suffering of long COVID. There's no way I could be doing what I'm doing. The stakes are that high. Like it's the stakes are high enough just to be doing this austere lifestyle. If I if I was suffering with long COVID, then I would have to tap out, and I would become that. Dependent on the services of the state for the rest of my life, potentially, and I ain't having that. So, to each their own. I'm not throwing shade at anybody, anybody's um, COVID uh, lifestyle, but for me, I just chose to to live as though it's it's like one strike, you're out. To me, I I, I chose to live in a way where where my posture towards the virus has been treat it like it's the big one and if it's not it's good training either way (laughs) so call me fucking crazy but I'm alive my dick still works I'm not impotent I'm pretty sure that I have all of my faculties and I have all of my IQ points I do not suffer pneumonia, uh, COVID pneumonia, and um, as a matter of fact, I just finished a a, a twenty-part University of San Diego evolution of infectious diseases course, which is for free online, and and it occurred over the course of the first year of the pandemic. So there's literally a play-by-play at the beginning of every of every um episode or every lecture session that is a what they call taking the temperature of the pandemic and <laughs> so here i am you know maintaining a social distance of like a million miles <laughs> and minimizing the very 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 few trips back into babylon to kit basically the bare necessities of resupplying water and food and, and and ultimately the materials that i that i need in order to build a shelter that is going to protect me from the next wave of heat and i am now in beast mode to to build out that very very humble very simple and uh and very um very elegant um design that'll basically buffer me from extreme temperatures and that was something i couldn't do i didn't have the mean i didn't have the it would have been a bad trade for me to do it would have been well I'm, I'm uh, getting ahead of myself here, so just wrapping up on the point about um, epidemiological humility, I think that's been my my position. And um, shout-out to Dr. Eric Ding, shout-out to the Survivor Corps, Diana Behrendt, I believe her name is. So as a strategy to keep myself epidemiologically humble, I pipe in to my feed the stories of the long-COVID survivors and i pipe into my feed anything from eric ding that i can um talk to eric ding that i can that i can consume mainly twitter feed and then interviews and whatnot that 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 show up from time to time i hope he'll do a podcast he really should i think but yeah i've chosen to take an abundance of of caution and um i said to somebody early on i said i i I think that that this is that i think i'm going to be in the archetype of the last man standing you know amongst my friends amongst my peers amongst people who want to go back to normal and want to wear their mask on their chin or not at all and like want to party and want to just minimize the severity of the situation and not treat it as an opportunity to to um to really live their training, and uh, I'm not, I'm not um, bullying anybody to see things my way, I just excused myself, and I made myself disappear (laughs) into the wilderness, and um, yeah, so Don't need to go off on a rant on the COVIDiocracy and how I feel. Um, you know what high horse I could be on about about my my feelings about it, but um, importantly, the pandemic has hardened me. And it has sharpened every one of my survival skills, and for that, I'm in, I'm invigorated. I don't feel like um, <laughs> I'm not just waiting for the government to give me a green light to go back to normal. I'm I'm invigorated to a point where I realize, yeah you were lucky to have the good times that you had because the bubble bursting of the epidemiological bubble bursting is to realize the musical chairs game is up in terms of for I mean tempting fate is an understatement so who knows? <laughs> who knows if this is going to continue to smolder and 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 flare up and smolder and flare up and actually put a dent in a significant dent in the human population on Earth or not? Who knows if it will produce a sort of uh, epidemiological side effects of other diseases appearing and as being less. Um, uh, less resourced to t- stamp out or tamp out other e- epidemiological um, fires that are going to come, that have come. But what I've, what it's done for me, it, it's taken epidemiology as a, as something that I have had, you know, very little. Um, very, very shallow understanding of enough to be afraid of a pandemic to the degree of um, having prepared for it as much as I would prepare for tornadoes, earthquakes, floods, World War 3 etc., etc. You're supposed to have generalized preps to for any occasion, you know, that's part of the philosophy of it. But having this be the choose your own adventure prepper dystopia scenario into the world as we know it scenario um, yeah i've taken the time to do to do more quite a bit more research and uh, i'm continually humbled by how Obscene and asinine the modern world is with its hubris towards towards microbiology, towards towards pathogenicity. And it's it's invisible most of the time, so sort of it's to be expected. You could say it's human nature to just be flippant towards (laughs) invisible threats to your life. But, uh, yeah. Talk about rolling the dice and gambling. What a gamble overpopulation is. What a gamble urbanization is. What a gamble international travel is at at the rates that that we have uh, I mean t- t- things like seeing I guess I'm getting a little bit of a rant here but I guess I'll close it with this if I had to you know make a list of the, the the most important lessons I've learned from the pandemic just a few of them I mean there's probably more but just to answer that question for myself right now what are the most important lessons? just a few of them for me most importantly is seeing the rate at which a variant can overtake a previous a new variant can overtake a previous variant and my attitude isn't oh no i got to wear free masks again or oh no i got to get boosted again or oh no my life my 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 lifestyle is um is hindered in some way again so i'm inconvenienced by it i'm i'm sort of outside of that bubble what i'm thinking about is just that this if 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 all of the measures and all of the, um, even the vaccinations, you know, I'm not throwing shade on vaccination at this point. I will, I will remain. uh, I will will have no comment on vaccination at this point. Um, I did receive two doses, and I will, I will, I will have no comment further on vaccinations other than to say that the speed at which the, the more contagious new variants were able to completely outcompete and replace the old variants in a population nation by nation and then at a global scale To me, it's almost, it was almost as if this is an experiment. I mean, not a conspiracy experiment, but I think about, like, let's say you wanted to... I mean, what this basically... What this what this shows is kind of like, okay... <laughs> I'm trying to think of an analogy here. It's like, yeah, m- most people... Most people who, who aren't extreme survivalists... And I don't even share a lot of a lot of like I've seen a lot of extreme survivalists basically really offend and really really surprise me at 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 their um, sort of uh, distorted cavalier attitude towards being anti-mask or anti-vax or wanting to go back to normal and freedom this and all that. It's like I thought you knew better. I thought you trained for this. What are you talking about? That's why we studied this kind of stuff even some of the medical preppers you know they're 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 somewhat um, disappointing me but um, trying to think of an analogy it's like uh, yeah most people feel like this was basically an inconvenience unless they died, they've got long COVID or or it really affected their life, someone in their life there's, I don't know how it's possible but there's still to this day enough hubris towards SARS-CoV-2 and its mutations there's still enough hubris for people to not be like for people to have for, for there's still enough um yeah enough hubris for people to to just want to wish it away and just kind of like sh- like swat it away like a fly and just really go back and default back to what they thought was the old normal as soon as they're told that they can with with the vengeance you know um versus saying, "Wow, this is a, this was a wake-up call. I can't fucking believe this. This is totally mortifying. I've got to get the fuck away from people. I got to get away from the city. I got to get away from just that old paradigm of like, oh yeah, it's okay to be stuffed in a place with no ventilation where people are coughing and sneezing and there's no escape. And and it would be it would you would have been you would have been probably arrested for on suspicion of being a terrorist if you would have wore appropriate respiratory protective equipment that was the that was the old paradigm but the point i want to make is that um what scares me the most when I think about what what I what I've learned the most important lesson I have learned let's just say I'm just gonna call it the most important lesson that I have learned because I'll go off on a tangent of all of a bunch of other ones the most important lesson is, is the idea that um, after after all of the heightened awareness the heightened state of, of alarm, the rate at which the new variants spread like wildfire, unmitigated, unrestrained, like nothing there's no fucking barrier whatsoever it wasn't like oh yeah of course a new variant started to pop off here but then all of our all of all of our measures to prevent another pandemic completely failed like there's nothing stopping there is no resistance to any contagion from causing a global pandemic within days. <laughs> that to me is the biggest lesson. So, as far as I'm concerned, this whole thing, fine. I will, devil's advocate, I'm going to pretend for a moment that I believe that COVID was not, it, it's not, it, it was a hoax. It didn't even exist. It, the whole thing was fake. Doesn't even matter if it was a lab leak hypothesis or no, weaponized gain of function. No, it was just the whole thing was the whole thing was 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 a hoax. <laughs> I'm going to pretend and play devil's advocate from that conspiracy theory and say that it didn't. It wasn't even real. So let's say it was just a sugar pill. Let's say it was just like. <laughs> That all it was, was like, um, was was like some sort of nano glitter. <laughs> it was some nano glitter that you could test for, you know, and 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 that is that is in a sense how they do study. Um, I mean, this I don't know the scientific exact word for, it, but basically they they can in- inject particles into you and then they can then through some sort of um some sort of sci-fi uh camera they can they can trace where the particles go in the bloodstream right and and I'm, i'm embarrassing myself not having a clue as to um as to what the the right term is for that but um but basically it's not it's if you can if you can flow with me for a minute here it's the idea that uh you can put an ostensibly inert substance into a into a system let's say you want to see how how a pollutant might um, might interact in in, in a, it might affect a body of water. You could simulate, you could simulate it by using basically some kind of food coloring, you know, to see. That's how you could. It's like you put um, you put a drop of food coloring in a glass of water, and it reveals to you the 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 aqua dynamics, um, the fluid dynamics, of what were invisible to you before. So, that taking that concept across many skills to me the idea is like okay let's just pretend that everybody was faking it it was a total hoax and hey it was all psychosomatic anyway it's like if someone just told you hey you're sick you got covid all of a sudden you just you think you are so you put you curse yourself (laughs) and it's all psychosomatic sure okay the the, the the lesson would still be even if the whole thing was a hoax the lesson would still be from a point of origin in one place in the world for that little nanoparticle of placebo glitter dust that some scientist was saying like we just want to know how how long will it take for this I think, there, yeah, I think there was a video where they, they, they took like, a, you could only see the paint. It was like, it was, yeah, I think it was like a glitter paint that you could only see under blacklight. And, and it was one of the early videos in the pandemic to teach people why they should wash their hands. And it was like, <laughs> they put a little bit, they, sw- they, they, they like, they put a little bit on a doorknob. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing. Yeah, this is what, this is what I wanted to, to conjure and to remember the the hardest lesson is that like that video that showed the black light footage of basically a, a room a party you know it was basically like a party and I don't know if the people knew that they were doing a science experiment or not but they were just carrying on like you know like normal and uh <laughs> and so one tiny couple of square inches with this this sort of inert non-toxic sort of black light glitter or whatever that you wouldn't see that they wouldn't see that they were spreading it around and and one person touches it and and or however many people touch it basically ends up everywhere on people's faces on their clothes on the fucking countertops everything everything is just covered in all these streaks of this of this particle and like that was a psa for people to go holy shit like we can't we can't keep our hands to ourselves we can't keep our hands off our faces there's no way to slow down there's base. it's like absurd to think that that like normal human the 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 that uh that us just rowdy monkeys we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna like all of a sudden become the most austere of zen monks and practice all of these extreme austerities forget about it so that's it like what this shows whether you are a covid denier a covid minimizer no matter what there is one at least one lesson that that, that can be uh, that can, we can all well, <laughs> I don't know if we can all agree on, but uh, for me it is the most important lesson. I don't think this was. I don't think this was, was this was the worst virus that ever plagued humanity. I don't think it was the best virus that ever plagued humanity but it was the most successful biogeographically of any virus ever itself and its and the variants of it which shows even if, even if, even if, even if you were to be such a denier and such a minimizer that you say that it doesn't do any harm to anybody, if you would at least acknowledge that it, that it does exist and it does have a a nature to be contagious and to spread by certain means, then the the lesson is that um, the conclusion is that. The sort of um the plumbing or the the substrate, the petri dish of the globe of human, the substrate of the global human population. it may as well just be one petri dish, one continuous gel <laughs> of, of, infecti- of 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 uh, infectable. Um, biomass. So you know, there's a, there's a, there's a more there's a more divine way of saying we're all one. Yeah, and, and epi- epidemiologically, we're all one. And not in the best of ways of thinking about it, as in we're all one from a very more a much more charming spiritual perspective, but epidemiologically, sadly to say, except for the extreme survivalists who occasionally merge with that soup of biomass. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, almost everybody on the planet, sadly, is at the mercy of this amalgamation of infectable biomass and there are no drugs and there are no vaccines and there are there are very few people who are disciplined enough to like create any significant barrier to entry for a nimble pathogen to exponentially spread across the entire planet, as if we had, as if it was just in a soup of people, and uh, just blowing ourselves to smithereens, hijacking. The, I mean, they're they're uh, they're like pigs and shit, and then. not to anthropomorphize but the having completed this study this course i mean i guess this is just what's coming out i mean this is a (laughs) this is what's coming out now i'm gonna flow with it I'm beyond wanting to lecture, I'm I'm beyond wanting to preach at people for how they should behave. I'm just, what do they say, you know, calling it as I see it. We are, we're sitting ducks for, for a a more virulent uh, pathogen to, to really cause a mass die off and um, with, with just uh, I mean that would be the easy if uh, praying for a quick death I mean there's a list of known pathogens some of them will fuck you up and you'll most likely recover. Some of them will kill you very fast. Some of them will kill you very slow. A lot of diseases that exist in the wild we don't we we don't even know of yet. And we're mass producing new mutants, new muta- new mutant variants of of just obviously the flu, um, which miraculously has been By no real effective eff- measures of our own kept in some kind of check, but it's just, it's just the more the, to me the more I zoom out, the more I realize like, wow, we've really been gambling and really we're taunting, we're taunting the uh, the sort of odds of the evolution of infectious diseases that I just studied profusely. We're really really gambling and um and if this wake-up call really hasn't caused enough of a behavioral shift to to slow it down and we continue to see that a new variant can sweep the globe as fast as these ones have and people's attitude is still it's not humble it's not grateful it's it's like um it's it's in 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 general, the attitude is um, it's it's just normalcy bias. That's that's the thing that preppers have been always. Um, that makes you know, yeah, it's the zombie apocalypse already because the zombies and the sheeple, you know, <laughs> they just want to live in their their normalcy bias world, which makes them a threat to your preps, <laughs> and. Um, You know, that's the sort of dystopian narrative, the zombie apocalypse narrative. But, uh, yeah, goddess help us if one fucking molecular protein mutation is the jackpot for a given virus to where it can. Do do far more damage than than this um, sort of practice run, and I say that, of course, with all due respect to those who have been the most the most damaged by it. And I am not a minimalist. I, I don't. I'm not a COVID denier. I'm not a COVID minimizer. I treat it like the big one. And if again, if it's not the big, if it's not the big one. It's teaching us that the big one is a more terrifying threat than than we ever imagined. Because I would have thought that, yeah, if there was a if the big one hits, FEMA is going to come out and martial law is going to happen, and we will see. A very like mechanized organized global top down war on a pandemic to where you're gonna hope that you have food and water and medicine, but that they but that they will win the day and they'll do whatever it takes by any means necessary militarily by force to prevent the worst possible outcomes that i think that was what a lot of a lot of the more sort of libertarian preppers would, would have just imagined that yeah there's there's a i mean that's like x-files kind of paranoia you know the <laughs> the new world order black helicopters etc they're gonna they're gonna snap into swift action and they're gonna institute all of these measures and they're gonna come for everybody's guns and round everybody up put you on trains to camps maybe that's still the plan but if anything, uh, has, if, if I've learned anything, it's that, um, they'll, they'll be, they'll be dropping like flies because they'll be wearing their fucking masks on their chin and they won't be, and they won't, they won't be doing their best to themselves help, um, air gap transmission so anyway, yeah, that's (laughs) trying not to be on a soapbox about it, but I will definitely say I'm never going back to the old normal, I've learned too much and my life is more precious to me now than it ever has been and I'm not ready to gamble it for any Experience that's to be had in civilization <laughs> and for me that's just living practicing what I've preached since I was in my teens and now my prophecy is full circle in that yeah, be careful what you wish for you want to live in the Mad Max wasteland and you love nature that much, you better really love nature if you want to live in the, the Mad Max wasteland and be a solo permaculture warrior. Yeah, I guess uh, I manifested <laughs> I manifested what I have, and it is not for everybody. I I hope that uh, whatever dream you want to be living, you're either living it now or getting closer to living it, and that you are not, that that dream is not jeopardized by the behavior of other people who don't really respect your life very much. To me, that's just part and parcel with being in a city, is that uh, (laughs) you're just gambling, rolling the dice every day. To me, for me, where I'm at now, I rolled the dice every day for a year out here, and I will continue to roll the dice, and I will be rolling the dice. And the counterparty risk is scorpions. It's like, what's what, what what's my counterparty risk out here in in the gambling I'm doing out here? Hey, you know what? <laughs> if I, I I will be red ant and coyote food if I, that's how I meet my maker, and you know what, I'm totally fine with that, I had a fun life, if this is World War III, and we go into a nuclear winter, because some D-bags can't <laughs> fucking humble themselves, respect women, nature, and the earth, and be compassionate towards life, enjoy life, Gotta be trying to build empires all the time. If I if my fate is to collapse out here and be ant food and squirrel food and coyote food I'm stoked about that. In the meantime, I made it through all the seasons. (laughs) I had everything I needed to do it for the most part. There were a few real close calls for, you know, feeling like I might not make it another day. But for the most part, I've acclimatized, through all the seasons i've adapted and whether the whether the whether the climate gets milder whether whether the temperatures get higher or lower whether the biblical plagues occur hailstorms and floods and I feel pretty, pretty well like um, the event horizons, the big unknowns are, 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 are pretty well That's sort of the essence of 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 surviving one year cycle of of the earth's seasons, you know in one place it's like well yeah it could be it could be better or worse, but if this is whatever what, what whatever statistical data I can extrapolate from having gone through this one year i mean have if I'm here ten years, I'm going to go oh that was the the hardest year of them all, or that was the easiest year or it was mild that's to be determined later but most importantly for me at this point i have experience and i can plan accordingly and not overestimate or underestimate grossly what i'm what i'm in for so <laughs> and yeah i have documented all of the projects along the way so i, I you know this the, for me this is just a time to not necessarily enumerate go over everything or try to synopsize everything that's happened in a year i'm just talking about how fucking grateful i am that i made it a year against a lot of odds and um, and i feel more and more welcomed by by the spirits of the land and the wildlife, which I am becoming ever more um, charmed by. And the relationships are starting to build the real depth and intimacy of being a good neighbor to the wild and being A contributor to the wellness of the ecosystem. That feeling of satisfaction when you know that wildlife acknowledges you and what you're doing. And that they're benefiting from you. That is a sweet, life-affirming experience that never gets old and it is the ultimate fuel to survive to continue to resist negativity and to have the strength to um disengage from the death culture it's not just pamphlets it's not just books it's not just book fairs it's not just conferences I'm not just living in my head like I was when I was spouting the rhetoric this is all the real deal permaculture on the edge of the wilderness in the middle of the wilderness rewilding Not on the weekends But This is rewilded This is feral This is (laughs) This is post-civilization And The tentacles, the remaining tentacles Of civilization Yeah, there's a couple of things They're not vices for me But I have to, logistically, you know I'm not a hundred percent Self-sufficient Yet there are a couple of trips now, you know. I mean, the way that I'm set up, I could probably go back to civilization one, twice a year, at the at the minimum, and that's about all I want. I will. I mean, and I'm not gonna. I mean, there's a. There's part of me that 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 there's a few things to miss, but but yeah, I mean if I can if that's the umbilical if the umbilical cord is is uh, is that close to being cut, that's fuck, that's pretty rewilded, that's pretty rewilded in my book. So and I I really I really feel like uh, if I would have died or tapped out in less than a year then I would really feel like a failure but having survived at least 1 year I have the dignity and pride of saying yeah I fucking I'm I manned up and I stuck it out and I pulled it off and I survived a year if I die out here anytime after the year I will be infinitely less bummed out having no having the pride hey I fucking made it at least one full fucking year and if I was pushing my luck to do it and I, I die, you know, next week or tomorrow, whatever, I will die fucking proud of that one year. <laughs> I made it a year. I ate the bar. The bar didn't eat me <laughs> for one year. That's right. So here's to many more years to come and let's pray for peace pray that uh, the wisdom of the preparedness lifestyle can be gently um, gently uh, extended to to buffer the uh the worst extremes of of deprivation that come in wartime so i hope we are airdropping bug out bags and airdropping med kits and airdropping um survival manuals and and everything else that goes along with them meeting your basic survival needs so that you can limit how traumatic emotionally and physically biologically how traumatic um shit at the fan scenarios can be and i would just pray that we one day live in a world where if there's going to be millions of refugees flowing that every single one of them has got their bug out bag and that that, that that was just part of their lifestyle, and they weren't scrambling to find scraps when they're, all the shelves are... You know, this is what... This is one of many reminders and wake-up calls. And when I hear the... Heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching voices of the, the 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 refugees of this war. It's not just a, a, a hollow sort of um, sympathy. It is it is a rage, a rage that. Um, That there's a failure, a failure of the uh, of the preparedness movement to be to be sexy enough and compelling enough to really do what it needs to do, so that. people just know we're living in a fucking insane hideously dangerous world of fucking patriarchal warlords that can fucking turn your life upside down no matter who you are where you are and it's about having a plan what are you going to do if you have to leave in leave in 5 minutes and never come back what do you have to what what what's the plan if you have to stay for 5 months and not leave, bugging in and bugging out, all these things that that are just uh, drilled into that lifestyle. It hurts so much to think about how many people have not installed this preparedness lifestyle software and hardware into their lives. doesn't mean being paranoid, it doesn't mean being afraid all the time. The more prepared you are for any disaster, the less fearful you become because you feel like you have control of your destiny and you feel empowered. It's an inverse relationship of fear, preparedness and fear. It is healthy to be aware of the threats to normalcy in your life and it is healthy to be adequately prepared, within reason and within your means, to to address that. And, and yeah, I would love to see a culture of preparedness that is that is um, ever ever more resilient against shocks to this system of their survival whatever they may be man-made or natural disasters they're only going to increase at this point in history the fundamentals are going to stay the same The fundamentals of very practical modern survivalism. So, I s like the, I guess this would be my final P- PSA to mark the times on this episode is that for God's sake, in the name of the people suffering in this war, the least you can do. For them not to suffer and die in vain is to prepare yourself to not be as helpless as many of them have have become as they've been displaced from their, their normal lives. Whatever, they're, whatever they are thinking they wish they would have done, let's do that for them, for ourselves in our own lives. That's my, that's my PSA. If they say, God, I wish we would have packed for this, packed for anything that would force us out of our comfort, um, out of the comfort of our normal life. Financial preparedness and packing the bug out bag and learning medical first responder skills and having the gear for that and tactical training and communications and redundancy, all these things. I will be redoubling my efforts to be more resilient and prepared for the horrors of war and the the horrors of diaspora. Make that a theme of solidarity to really put myself in their shoes and hope that other people will um, will do our best to um, make sure that their suffering is not in vain and their deaths aren't in vain as much as we can